Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paula Favor. I'm here with my ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. And today is Friday, the 21st of October, 2022. I hope you're enjoying that cool weather as I am. It's about time. Uh, today we have uh, in the G-Base, uh, we have Tony Cowden. Tony Cowden, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, is a fellow barrel-chested freedom fighter. Uh, been there, done it, got the t-shirt, SF guy, also uh, owner of Capable Incorporated. Uh, he's been a lot of places that uh, Mike and I have been, uh, done a lot of things for our country. So, uh, Tony, without further ado, I want to welcome you to the Pinelander, and I want to thank you in, in advance for your service to our country, uh, you know, uh, abroad and at home. Welcome, sir. Uh, thanks for having me, man. And probably just like you guys, you know, it's, you know, no thanks needed. College dropout here. What else was I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Got to do something. Uh, right. Yeah, you're, you're no stranger uh, to Pineland. You're no stranger to uh, gorilla bases and all the rest of it and all the fun. Uh, sure. But, you know, you took on a challenge um, that I'm curious about. I know Paul is too. Um, and you, you decided to run for Congress. And, uh, that to me is a, uh, a challenge, uh, worthy of a special forces, uh, soldier and, but it's a totally different environment than what generally we're accustomed to. Uh, why don't you you share with us some of the experiences that you had, uh, in that, that quest? (laughs) Oh man. Uh, as, as I joked with you a little bit before, um, we started recording Paul, you know, my life is definitely a bunch of, uh, um, crappy decisions that turned out pretty awesome. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and that's how I could categorize deciding to, you know, to run, uh, you know, like everybody else, at least everybody else I know, I was absolutely frustrated with everything that's going on in our country. And clearly in the last, um, year, year and a half, since I made that decision to run, it hasn't improved. Mm. Uh, I only see things getting worse and worse. No doubt. Unless you're, you know, Ray Charles, I think that's <laughs> pretty much the agreement. Even hell, Democrats, you know, are starting to figure out, you know, they uh, may have been, may have made a bad decision. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh, I was last Easter, so Easter of twenty one. Uh, you know, I kicked it around a little bit. Well, I'd even thought about maybe running for sheriff one day or something like that, you know, just to, to give back. And yeah. I, uh, my very good friend, Alario Pantano, Alario was a lieutenant. Uh, you might recognize his story, maybe not his name. He was a lieutenant who was charged with murder in Fallujah, Marine Corps infantry lieutenant. He shot the two guys and then they had been having a rough time, man. He had had some casualties amongst his platoon. And uh, shot a couple of dirt bags. Clearly, bad guys, right? Fallujah, leave or you're a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, week into the war. Long story short, man, he he and his boys took them to the nearest traffic circle and put their battalion motto um, on a sign around their necks, <laughs> around their bodies. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it would be easy for civilians and folks who don't understand war to kind of go what the hell and even us we're probably yeah probably probably going a little too far there marine but long story short man he was you know charged with murder Mm. and long he he decided after he was cleared and he was cleared to uh to run for congress and i met him i moved to wilmington north carolina i met him right about the time he decided to do that um, maybe a year prior, I, uh, I opened a gym down in Wilmington, CrossFit Wilmington, and um, that's where 
I met a bunch of jarheads, clearly being so much closer to Jacksonville and Camp Lejeune. Um, so anyway, Hilario ran and twice, and he first lost to the Democrat incumbent, and then he lost to the primary to the current congressman for District 7, and that's David Rouser. Well, you know, Lario learned a lot um, losing. He made a lot of friends. And you'll, you'll see, you know, my story was the same way. He made a lot of friends and, and lots of benefits or, or pros to running. Uh, extending my network, met a lot of great people, man, good people. But, um, yeah, so Lario comes out and shoots with me. We're just out on the range, plinking and, and shooting a little bit, uh, catching up. And um, I said, hey, man what do you think about, and he like, like his whole entire demeanor changed. He cuts me off. He goes, yes. If there was ever a time or a year that you could do it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he didn't even let me finish. He knew exactly what I was getting ready to ask him. And uh, it was kind of funny. And it was, you know, like I said, it was Easter day. And he even went, you know, as far as saying, he's like, absolutely. It is Easter. And there's no doubt in my mind, Jesus put me right here right now to tell you, you should do it. (laughs) <laughs> so um whether or not you know you're uh, a christian or you know you believe in fate or whatever that was what kind of said all right well he knows a lot you know he lost he's still fairly involved in politics or at least you know keeps his finger on the pulse and he said do it i was like all right so we started planning of course i didn't announce until december you know so we had quite a bit of time to plan it was it worked out well because I was able to put a lot of, you know, save money because I wasn't going to be working as much, um, you know, during the campaign and all that stuff. But North Carolina was going through its redistricting and we knew that districts were going to change. So I didn't want to announce that I was going to run in District 7 necessarily and piss off an incumbent like David Rouser, um, making an enemy where I didn't need one type of thing. So we just waited. And so the new districts popped out, and it was that District 4, which was Cumberland County, which I was excited about hmm. uh, for obvious reasons, and um, Johnson County, Harnett County, and Sampson County, all rural, you know, all my people. You know, I was born and raised in Pamlico County, so I, I speak rural, redneck, even a little bit of white trash dialects of the English language. And uh, hmm. so I was excited about it. And my biggest contender at the time as we first started campaigning was a fellow named Devan Barber and he's from Johnston County and uh, good boy. We actually became uh, darn good acquaintances, if not friends while running against each other. Uh, we even joked that like, Hey, when this is all said and done, no matter what's happening, man, let's go fishing. And I was like, deal. So me and him still owe each other a fishing trip. Well, that all changed, right? North Carolina's uh very liberal state Supreme Court ruled that those new districts were basically racist, gerrymandering, and they threw them out and against the North Carolina Constitution, rewrote the districts how they Mm. saw fit. Right. So basically, if you think about it, every congressional seat in North Carolina right now is illegal. It's not real, or at least the ones that are going to be voted on in in November, not the current ones, right? Because they were elected two years ago. The new districts and this, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed with our state legislator. They took it to the Supreme Court. But they basically said, eh, it's a little too late in the election cycle for us to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Horse shit all around, bro. I mean, just, guys, just, uh, anyway. So this is as I'm starting to really figure out just how absolutely crooked and the, what the games they're all playing, right? It's pretty nasty. Um, and so... You know, everything was going well. Um, That fourth district, like I said, no incumbent, so no nastiness like myself, Devan, and a couple other uh, um, candidates. Man, just nice to each other. You know, just like, hey, this is me. This is my personality. We're all conservatives. We mostly all believe the same stuff. And it was it was chill. (laughs) Well, then North Carolina redistrict and it put my county, Sampson County, where I currently live in the third district. Mm. incumbent is greg murphy uh and greg is adamant that you call him dr greg murphy (laughs) he's an md he's one of the very few sitting congressmen that is allowed to have another job other than be a congressperson and because there's a loophole for 
doctors and he exploits it. Now, the first doctor to create this loophole and have it was actually an obstetrician, you know, somebody who delivers babies. Well, Greg is a urologist and he exploits it. He's only one of a couple of doctors in on Capitol Hill, right? And so he keeps, you know, he's double dipping <laughs> as a, you know, a urologist and a congressperson. I mean, he's missed votes because he was performing surgery, you know, at Vident there in uh, Greenville. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Well, it is. It's, it's, it's leading up, right? This whole dirtiness that politics is. Um, so I tell my consultant staff that, hey, look, I'm switching out. I'm going to challenge Greg Murphy. Well, some of my consultants had worked with him and for him and still had some conflicting interests. And they were like, him and Han, they're like, I don't know. We believe in you, Tony, but challenging Greg and him and Han, they didn't want to be on a losing team, right? And I was like, look, guys, I get it. The chances of me beating this dude are zero. I, I understand. But he's a rhino. He's got a less than 70% conservative rating. He's not a gun guy. He's not a Second Amendment guy. He voted for the red flag laws in the that NDAA, you know, from a year before last. Um, yeah, man, I got no problems challenging this dude. You know, I said I was going to run in the county that I was in, and here we are. Well, they started him and Han, Han so, you know, we terminated my entire consulting staff. Wow. <laughs> right. And I'll tell you, man. Politics is dirty and nasty, slimy, all the way down to the consultants. They're probably the, they're like the, you know what I mean? They're the sewer dwellers, man. They're the people in the background doing all the dirty and the nasty shit. And I was already pissed with them anyway. They were unreliable. They were always late. Um, you know, it was supposed to have like a hit time of an announcement or something. It, you know what I mean? Just, I don't know. I guess maybe less military minded. Now, now, now Tony, I got a question now. Um, the, yeah. cons the consultants, from what I understand, um, they, they never go anywhere. I mean, these guys are pretty much career consultants. I mean, these guys just go from candidate to candidate. Isn't, isn't that Absolutely. the case? Okay. So, I mean, politics they is, they're man, part of the political class. Is that, is oh, that? They are okay. they're part of the political machine, the okay. establishment. Mm. Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, I'll give you a point. I was talking to my main consultant who's been at it for 20-some years, man, and he's helped win some pretty serious elections. I made, we were talking about campaign finance and a lot of your viewers probably don't know about campaign finance because I didn't. And I'm still, and it, the, the laws regarding campaign finance are so complex that I had to hire an outside consultant specifically for that, who was not part of my consultant team just to make sure we were all doing the right shit. Like that's her only job. And, um, Luckily, she was awesome. She was the only consultant I kept on all the way through. But we were talking about campaign finance, and I was like, this is, this is absolutely absurd. So basically an individual, uh, an individual taxpayer, either one of you guys can give a campaign, a, a federal campaign, Congress, Senate, whatever, $2,800. Your household, you and your wife or I mean, it's 2022, husband, whatever you're into, <laughs> right, um, can give 2900 so double, mm. right? It really doesn't even make sense that there's the legal language says that because it's literally, right? But it just makes it where you can write a $5,900 check out of y'all's joint check account. So corporations cannot give directly to a campaign, but corporations can give to a committee or a PAT, a political action committee. And it's unlimited. And if it's a certain type of pack, anonymous. Mm. Right. Impulse. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So the individual taxpaying voting American can only give $2,800. But I don't know, say Pfizer, a German company with a U.S. subsidiary, Pfizer USA. So Pfizer USA, not Pfizer in Germany, can give, I don't know say the Dr. Greg Murphy, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and somebody said, well, well, uh, you had a max contribution from the guys at Black Rifle Coffee. I'm like, yeah. JT and Evan both gave me $5,900 for their households. I'm like, but it was for their individuals. Right? My pact didn't take any Right? I didn't have corporate support. 
um, of the, you know, 200 and some thousand dollars I raised, it was all individuals. And I was very proud of that. Um, to win, you need more, right? Mm. To win, I would have needed in, in this first election, I would have needed $2 million to challenge Greg Murphy. And I would have needed 10 months, not 10 months. Now this, this on the, on the, no, so uh, my point to all, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Wait, no, I was just curious because, okay, so we, we have the uh, gerrymandered, uh, well, uh, North Carolina Supreme Court um, dictated uh, districts. Right. Um, so this new district that you ended up uh, being in, what, what, did, what, what comprised that district? So in, in the sort of the yeah. demographics of that district that you were dealing with. Yeah, definitely. So it was basically northeastern North Carolina. And no one ever saw Sampson County, which is starting to encroach into the Piedmont just slightly, being lumped into that district. It's always been kind of Onslow County all the way up the coast, you know, uh, only coming inland to Pitt County, Craven County, Lenore County. So it was 15 counties, man. It was huge. From my house to uh, the northern end, like Moyoc, uh, you know, six hours. (laughs) So, so, now, so, upside, so, campaign, so campaigning, I mean, I'm just, you know, just looking at the map for those of you not familiar with North Carolina. I mean, the, you know, you got the, you got the sounds and what Albemarle sound and a bunch of, it's, it's, it's kind of challenging if you wanted to drive that district. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I mean, if you wanted to visit every place within your district, um, you better pack a lunch. Hey man, I put... 22,000 miles on my truck in 10 weeks in the 10 weeks that I was campaigning in district three, 22,000 miles. I would leave my house. If I came home, I would leave my house at six 37 in the morning. And I got home before midnight in that 10 weeks. I think it was six times. And before 11 o'clock, like four times, it was nuts, man. I mean, you know, you, you finish up, nine o'clock and folks would want to, you know, at whatever meeting and folks would want to hang out and talk another hour, you know? And so if I was within a couple hours from the house, I would drive home. If I was up North in Dare County or somewhere like that, I'd get a hotel. Um, so, you know, yeah, gone all the time. But my, my point with that campaign finance was I brought it up to my consultant that man campaign finance needs to be reformed. We have to eliminate this whole patch. We have to stop corporations from influencing our elections because that's what they're doing it's direct influence because money is the election my campaign consultant my political consultants he went bro you should never ever say that where anyone with the rncc or anyone in leadership hears you say that i was like wait what he's like yeah man don't you know this is this is how it's run that money right Campaign, campaign freaking finance is its own commodity. And while there are very strict rules on what you can and cannot spend it on, right? I, as a candidate, can give you a candidate or a seated congressperson a max contribution. So let's say I had decided not to run in three and I was sitting on over $200,000. I just became a pack. I could distribute that money. No questions asked max contributions of $5,900 to any candidate or any sitting congressperson that is also a candidate, whatever I wanted. Mm. So when my consultant said that, I just kind of looked at him. I was like, Oh my God, that was when I realized that he was part of the problem too. So, like I said, when we switched districts, man, I pretty much reeled in a bunch of SF guys and some other military types and folks I had made friends with to help me. And it worked great. A, heck, a couple of these guys, one of the guys who was, um, he was actually in the Ranger Regiment and then worked for the agency a little bit. He became my oppositional research guy. Um, and he's going to continue with a career with it. Uh, he, he did an amazing job and I actually have sent him to, you know, some of the other green berets that are running. There were, you know, there are eight SF guys running for Congress 
And now there are two left and both of them are in North Carolina. That's, you know, Pat Harrington and Christian Castanelli. And both of them won their primaries. And a lot of folks don't don't know this. They won their primaries with no help from the RNCC, right? The Republican Party does not want barrel-trusted freedom fighters Mm. on Capitol Hill. Yeah, I mean, a couple couple guys uh, come to mind. Uh, Joe Kent, uh, obviously out in uh, Washington, is is doing very well and uh, won his uh, primary. But basically, I would say he's echoing the same sort of sentiments that uh, you're talking about today, it, well, which so, which which is the challenges of going up against you know the the rhino right. establishment. Well, you know Joe was different than me. Uh, we we were very similar uh, in the fact that we were challenging rhino Republican dirtbags. Joe worked for Trump and got Trump's endorsement. Mm. Right, um, I did not get an endorsement from Trump. Which you know, in hindsight, I don't really care. I said from the very beginning, I would rather lose clean than win dirty. And I personally think Trump's endorsements are also interference in our elections. Um, I'm not I'm not against Trump in any way, shape, or form, but I'm not like a, a Trump worshiper, right? The party, our nation, it's not one man. And for people to look at him as like some type of savior of this nation, that scares me a little bit. You know, it's disheartening. Now, isn't, isn't would, the, I, uh, would I have taken his endorsement? Of course, Certainly, of course. Uh, because it would have made a big difference in my election, you know. Is, um, isn't one of the reasons why um, the establishment, and, and this goes for both parties, um, likes the corporate money uh, is because it is sort of the buffer or the pushback against uh, populism? Certainly. Certainly, right? I mean, like, they don't maintain any control. I mean, if they let if they let the average person uh, elect their representatives, I mean, where's the fun in that? Yeah, no. And it's funny, right? Like, Greg Murphy is pretty uh, famous for saying, you know, and it, it wasn't caught on tape, but a bunch of people were present when he said something along the lines of, they didn't elect me <clears throat> to vote, <coughs> pardon me, to vote the way they want. They elected me for my brain. Hmm. Like just condescending as hell, man. Um, (laughs) At one point, so there was a a veterans group and a a group in Onslow County who uh, were adamantly against Greg. And some of the people had helped get him elected and they just felt betrayed. Right. And he referred to them as a cancer in the district. Hmm. Well, the funny part was, like the weird part was, one of them is a cancer survivor. Oh, <laughs> he, yeah. he got yeah. cancer from the damn burn pits in Afghanistan. Mm. Right? So, I mean, it's just, man, the condescension. They, they truly think they're smarter and better. And that's, to me, man, that is like, it's, it's despicable. And, and it's just how they, they look and how they, how they talk. And I talked to a bunch of different representatives during this time. And they all, for the most part, had that same type of sentiment. Just that they were better. They knew better because they really know what's going on. And to me, the fact that they really know what's going on makes them complicit, you know. Mm. But, yeah, man, I'll tell you, looking on the back end, um, you guys, this, you know, this is the first time I've done a podcast talking about this stuff since the end of the election. And of course, that was in May. Uh, I chatted with John Burke on his podcast right afterwards, and I was very reserved because I didn't know if I was going to run again. And now I don't really think so. But even if I do, I just don't care. Man, the corruption in the Republican Party goes all the way down to the county and the precinct level. It's gross. I, th- I think there is a, um, a realization today by a lot of folks um, that this thing is beyond the your, your parents and grandparents, Democrat and Republican parties. Um, Absolutely. This thing is really morphed into uh, sort of a globalism, Marxism versus uh, nationalism, capitalism uh, yeah. type of argument going on now. I, I think people that are married uh, to political parties 
really need to get caught up. Um, it just yeah. because just because a guy has a D or an R is is worthless. Right. You really need to figure out whether this person um, is uh, beholden to uh, China and corporate interests. Um, or if he actually uh, is a nationalist, loves his country, and is in, in, in for individual liberty and freedom. Um, if we don't figure out those two sides pretty quick, we're, we're probably going to be in a pickle. Oh, yeah. I, I say the two parties are, you know, they're, they're two wings on the same damn bird. Mm. And, you know, it was just disgusting after disgusting. You know, I when, when we were making that switch, right? Uh, between the districts when there was no incumbent that I was challenging I was on the phone with Dan Crenshaw I was on the phone with representative Waltz and I'm not going to call him colonel because that would imply that he was somehow you know linked to us the SF brothers um the second I announced I was challenging incumbent I couldn't get representative Waltz to return a text or a phone call Dan actually did, and that's when he was like, yeah, man, I can't help you. You know, Greg Murphy's beholden to Kevin McCarthy, man. I I can't go against that. I'll lose all my committee seats. Yeah, no, sorry, I can't help you. Mm. Yeah, uh, it was disgusting. And so I was just shaking my head. I was like, so you guys are saying you believe that I would be a better representative, but you're not going to help me because you're worried about what Kevin McCarthy will do to you. Who do, who do you work for? Kevin McCarthy or your constituents? Well, the answer is they work for Kevin McCarthy and your Republican senators work for Mitch McConnell. Hmm. If you cross them, you don't get committees. Do you know how many committees um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is on? Yeah. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> Not one. Right. Yeah. Zero. Right? Um you know, Matt Gates, same deal, man. They, they try and crush him constantly. And how about our own Madison Cawthorn? Yeah, they drummed him out. Yep. Yep. They financed the RNCC, man. They financed Madison's opponent. So an incumbent can be unseated if the establishment wants it so. And that's just what happened, you know? Well, see, that's kind of why I brought up the district that that uh, you were competing in because in the instances where I've seen the populist uh, win against uh, huge amounts of money provided by uh, the RNC was because of their ability to um, talk to um, individual people. Yeah. And they were just able to outmaneuver, if you would, their opponent. Yeah. They were able to move faster and talk directly to the people where the ads were, you know, the attack ads primarily. I mean, it's usually nothing on substance. It's usually always just an attack ad. That's what that's what the RNC does. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at your <laughs> but I'm looking at your district, and I'm going. Um, that's a very difficult district to employ that strategy, that winning right. strategy. And, and you know, we only had ten weeks, and in that ten weeks, we were still able to gain you know twelve to twenty percent of the vote in different precincts out of only 10% that came out to vote, right? In a midterm primary, not many people vote, right? One out of 100 people bothered to vote in the three weeks <laughs> of voting opportunities that they had in North Carolina. One out of 10, right? And there's 470 some thousand people in every district in North Carolina. So only 40,000 people bothered to come out and vote. And they're typically, you know, the folks who vote often, they voted last time. So they recognize Greg's name. Right. So that right there is huge. Just name recognition. And of course, you know, it, it was really disheartening. Greg, the one thing he did really smart is he had women attack me. I mean, he's a spineless mm. coward type anyway. Right. Like he would never he wouldn't debate me. Right. He wouldn't. Get, you would think someone that knows so much would be very confident to get on stage with his opponents, but he wouldn't. And so anyway, it, he used um, women's groups to speak out against me, which was funny up North. He was able to influence them a little bit, but Oslo County women, Craven County women, they were all 
they're they're so fed up with him because he even suggested that you know this is a republican now he suggested that even pregnant women get the vaccine wow uh, he was all That's pro-vaccine, pro-vaccine. He voted, he voted for every single thing that funded the mandate, so on and so forth. There's pictures of him administering the vaccine to people, right? Yeah, well, and I, and I so, think that that may have worked uh, for him in 2020. Um, right. I'm not sure. That's probably going to come back and, and backfire against him because, uh, you know, obviously as time goes on, we're learning a lot more about Right. Uh, the effects of the vaccine, especially, yeah. especially well, you know, on now, on I don't know if he's very, you know, adamant against the vaccine now. Yeah. Imagine that, <laughs> you know, imagine that. But yeah, man, you know, um, he had different, you know, women try to attack me. And then at one point they were trying to attack my career. And I had talked about, you know, I got blown up in 2009. Well, I got out of the army in 05. And this one young lady, who um, touted herself as a combat veteran. And I think she got out in 2012, which was before women were in combat MOSs. So it was kind of, you're a combat vet. Oh, no, you you were stationed in Kuwait. Cool, gotcha, honey. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she was being dirty, just nasty. And she ran a, um, a Republican women's like face group page, man. Just being nasty. And... Um, so the Guardians of the Beret, Guardians of the Green Beret stepped in. They they announced that, hey, look, blah, blah, blah. But what it was is she was just too dumb to understand that I wasn't, you know, an intel officer at the agency. <laughs> you know, like she didn't understand. She didn't know where I was working and that, that the CIA <laughs> doesn't give purple hearts because <laughs> that was her thing. She was like, well, if your service was, you know, truthful then you would have a purple heart for when you got hurt in 2009 i was like i wasn't in the army <laughs> you know um so it was it was comical yet also very frustrating because the reality is you know in this day and age they can say whatever they want they can just lie right there's no way to hold a political officer accountable they can say whatever they want you know yeah you could sue them for libel but I mean, who's got the money for let that? Me, let me ask you a question too. Did you, you know, our, the 2020 election had a lot of problems and we're just beginning to scratch the surface of those problems. And of course, right. uh, I remember uh, Captain Seth uh, Keschel, a uh, famous guy that's, you know, gone in there and really yeah. kind of done, you know, some, some pretty good work as far as um, where, yeah. the, where the numbers are really are at. Yeah, and uh, they, now North Carolina, the uh, big red flags were popping up uh, for North Carolina. Uh, yeah, Captain Seth Keschel said we have a, we had a lot of issues in North Carolina. I wonder Our even how much of that may have uh, come to play. Well, I will tell you this, man. Um, I don't want to ever sound like you know a, a whiny or fussy loser, right? Because, like I said, I try to tell people I knew the outcome of our election. We we knew it going into it, so I'm not. I'm not bitter that we lost. I'm not upset that we lost. I'm aggravated and frustrated that the system is so established. So, you know, you're talking about Seth. Seth, Seth should be a household name in the United States. And it's sad that it's not. What He's worked so hard. I uh, was lucky enough to talk to him numerous times during my campaign. Did a fundraiser with us. Just, yeah, man, holy crap. Yeah, great, great, great guy. He's done a lot of uh, great yeah. work for the country. Yeah, and and you know most people have never heard of them. So what uh, what um, but, you know we we we're still using machines, of course. Um, right. We you know these machines. If anyone thinks you're getting a fair election out of a machine, I mean, I don't know. I don't to, think I don't so. I don't know what to tell you. And, okay. And I, I was prefacing, you know, oh, I don't want to sound bitter or whatever. So I'm from Pamlico County. I grew up there, right? Um, I know a lot of people in Pamlico and New Bern, Craven County, a lot. And the results of our election, our primary, it was almost the exact same numbers across the district, right? Statistically, almost impossible. But when you look at Pamlico, the one place I should have at least gotten 30%, right? It's only 12,000 people that live there. And I 
I guarantee you half of them know my name, right? So there was no more of a spike in voters for me in Pamlico than the other counties where I was clearly lesser known, right? It's, it's suspect. It is suspect at a minimal. So anyway, they certainly don't instill scared. confidence. <laughs> right. At that, you know, and I am still the guy who really doesn't want to say out loud that our elections are screwed. Right. Like I'm still oh, trying I, to hold on to that little bit of faith. No, they are. Um, you can overcome <laughs> them. I mean, listen, we, we, they can be overcome. Okay. The, the, sure. There's only, you know, the fraud can only be uh, utilized to a point. Right. Um, so there, there are some techniques, of course, that uh, folks are doing to try to um, override the fraud. But let's just be honest. I mean, I'm not even going to play games anymore. If anyone thinks Biden got 81 million votes, right? Uh, yeah. You need your head examined. Okay. For sure. That, that that's sure. it. Just defies logic. Okay. Right. And and it you, defies. You know, it, common sense. I mean, listen, you can sit there, you know, you can tell me a hundred times that, you know, he got 81 million votes. It's like, yeah, no, he didn't. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. Right. Um, and we do have problems and, and, uh, but I think the things that you're talking about, okay, the establishment setup, all right. The fact that they've, uh, the political classes has created this, uh, this system by which they can maintain the power and decide uh, who comes into the country club and who doesn't. Absolutely. I think the voting machines are absolutely a part of that. For sure. Um, and, and, and so you, that, you've, you've really scratched the, the surface here. You're, you've really I, gone in and you've, you've kind of looked behind the curtain. That's, you know, I use that, that analogy quite often. And I just got to peek just for a very brief second. Mm. And I got, but I got to see the way people behave, right? Like Ryan Zinke, you know, the soft pack talk to him and he's like mm, no you know what i mean it was just like all the people that the soft community or even people looking outside right like if i tell my next door neighbor that i couldn't get the support of a former navy seal over an incumbent right like they would be like what do you mean how why well because when ryan looked at my numbers and looked at oh oh you're challenging incumbent yeah no we're not doing that you know, he's like, yeah, I mean, I can't give you enough money to, you know, to beat him, <laughs> you know? So, you know, and I, and I understand that, right? Like we're not going to, we don't no no organization wants to waste their money, not even the Republican party. And, you know, to the flip side, right? Barbara Gaskins is the Democrat female uh, challenging Greg in the general election. She got the Democrat nominee. The Democrats won't give her a dime to challenge Greg Murphy because the Democrat Party knows that a black Democrat female cannot beat Greg Murphy in that district in North Carolina District Three. Yeah, just like the Republican Party. Uh, what's the young lady's name who won the Wake County? It's Wake County is a district all by itself. Right. Uh, she beat she beat Adina. I can't think of her name. Well, anyway, she's done. Right? She won the Republican nomination. But she can't touch Barbara or Deborah Ross. She can't touch her. Not in that, so not the in that district. The Republican Party yeah. has given her zero dollars. You know what I mean? It is a money game through and through. Money game through and through. And when I say they won't even give them money, they won't even give them support. They won't like publicly endorse them or nothing. It is, yeah. It, they don't want. They don't. Yeah, they don't want to spend the capital. They don't want to spend the. They don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. You know, I told somebody the other day, I was like, you know, whenever I see Elon Musk's name in a headline, I keep crossing my fingers that he's announcing a third party. Mm. It, without a third party, like a viable something that can challenge these two monsters. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think that's the only path that leads America out of this mess. You know, and the thing and the reality is we already have several parties. Uh, yeah, but, but a viable. But right? the <laughs> yeah, but the Republican and Democrat parties uh, have a monopoly on on the game. Right. Yes. And so really what needs to happen is that uh that needs to that needs to go away. So right. the Libertarian it, Party, the Green Party, I mean whatever party that you, you know, ascribe to 
has a fair shot. They should be at the debates and everything else. Yeah. No, you know, um, so Barbara Gaskins, uh, she's actually very physically conservative. She's a little more socially liberal than I am uh, or than pretty much any conservative. But um, she's very smart. I actually enjoy talking to her, and I'm going to vote for her over Greg. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I am going to vote for a Democrat, and the, the vote will be lost, right? But anyway, um, yeah, man. <sighs> A viable third party means one with enough money to challenge the other two. And that's why I say Elon Musk, because clearly he not only has the money, he's friends with all the people who have the money and so on and so forth. And yeah, if if you go back and look throughout our Congress's history, if you want to look at votes and find some some ones that are almost unanimous, where both parties voted for them, look at the ones that increase their salaries, that increase their benefits, that increase their uh, staff power, benefits, reach, longevity. Um, those are the type of votes that you will find that both parties agree almost 100%. And it's always those votes that was consolidating and protecting them both. Right? Because let's face it, right? The Republican Party doesn't want the Democrat Party to dissolve and implode. And the Democrat Party doesn't want the Republican Party to dissolve and implode, even though it is. No, it's right? true. The Republican I, Party is falling apart. It's it's I mean it's it's a uniparty. The people that use that term right. uniparty, um, they don't like that term. Um no. but it's yeah, it is it is a uniparty, it is it is controlled opposition. Um oh, yeah. if you don't understand that, there's I can't help you. I mean you, you know, you've ran for Congress, you you know this to be true. Um yeah. When you when you challenge the uniparty, whether it's Republican or Democrat, they're going to squash you. Absolutely. Um, let me yeah. ask you this: Are is is the third going to stay the same, or is are these things going to get redistricted again? I think it'll get redistricted again. Uh, the districts as they sit right now are not something that a Republican legislature um, is going to continue to support. So I think what's going to happen is uh, after November that North Carolina Supreme Court is most likely picking up another conservative. And at that point, they'll control the House and the Republicans will control the House and the court. That will make Cooper's veto worthless. Now, um, so if you end up again in, let's say, the 4th District, um. Well, that, that may have an impact on whether or not you run again. Yeah, you know, I always tell people I don't see the world in 2 plus 2 equals 4. I always see the world as an equation with results, right? So you've got all these variables, and you're actually the first person to pose that question, typically because I mostly interact on the political spectrum with folks in the 3rd District, and they're not even thinking, you know, they're thinking about 3rd District, and will I run again in the 3rd District? So you're actually the first person to ask me if something like the fourth came back up, would I do it then? Uh, that would have to very much depend on a lot of other of the variables, where we're at. I mean, we're looking at at least another year. Um, and and there's also, you know, this part of me who, you know, a lot of, a lot of Americans, you know, gave me 50 bucks. That was my... Um, like my median, most no, the the amount of dollars most often contributed to my campaign was fifty bucks, right? So across America, some hardworking dude gave me or and gal, gals, gave me fifty of their hard-earned dollars, and I didn't win. I in, in my heart, I feel like I you know I wasted their time and money. And people always tell me, no, Tony, that's not the way to look at it. Hey, I get it, but I can't help it, right? Mm -hmm. I just can't help it. So I don't know how I would feel about trying to fire up that again and asking the same people, you know, to give me 50 bucks, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know. Well, here's, here's my thoughts for what it's worth, which, which, which isn't much. Um, I think you're, you're very close to that last election. I think you're pretty close to it. But here's the thing. Um, you do know you learned a lot from it. And yep. 
sometimes you learn more from losing than you do from winning. Oh, that's that's the truth. Is so your those ARs are always the bad. Yes. You know? So to me, to me, actually, your value now as uh, a candidate has increased uh, exponentially, and I think. Um, I, I know for a fact you would do things differently because it's it's just from the lessons learned. Certainly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, from for me, I think as soon as good people stop trying, um, we're doomed. So I don't know exactly what. Uh, I, I know you're going to stay involved in politics. I'm, I, I can just tell by listening to you, you're going to stay involved because uh, you it's care. Tough man. <laughs> yeah, but but you care. I mean, you care like the rest of us. Um, you you might be a, you know you might end up helping somebody. Chief of Staff, uh, or running, and, um, and you know, I'll but this is this, but it's a moving environment. I mean, it's a moving the target. Amount, the the amount of disrespect that Greg Murphy and his people gave me, right? It's one. It, hey, man, that might be reason I never, enough. I never attacked that man personally. You know, like I kept his family out of it. He's got a, a horrible family history, right? His kids hate him, all that stuff. I kept that. I never touched it. I never reached out to his family. I tried to keep it professional. He did not extend that same courtesy to me. So what he earned is an adversary in me for the rest of his life, no matter what he's working on. <laughs> so one way or another, whoever challenges Greg Murphy uh, in District 3 next, uh, next cycle, I will be helping them. My friend, I think uh, uh, the... <laughs> Uh, the, the establishment that we've been talking about and kind of uh, uh, talking about the salient points of it, they're counting on us, just guys like us doing, not doing that. Nothing. Up, they don't want yeah. it around, man. Yeah. So guys like us, you know, guys like you, the, the guys that have been there, they've, you've seen the third world nations. You see what we, all the blessings that we have here uh, yeah. that are not free. And, and you know that. So you're definitely the guy that we need at the helm. Yeah. And, and I will uh, tell you, talking to the other eight GBs, right? Like Jay Collins down in Florida, he got talked out of running for Congress for running for state senator, right? Well, you bring up a the good other, point, and the, we're gonna we're gonna come back to this. Go ahead. Uh, no, the you know all those other eight GBs, like I said, the only ones left, freaking are Casanelli and Pat here in North Carolina. They. Like I said, none of us got any support to include from SF brothers, mm. right? That's one of been one of our biggest gripes as we were progressing through this thing is how little support we've gotten from retirees or from the SFA, right? I mean, and and it, it's so frustrating because you know the answer is always, well, we're a nonprofit, we can't be political. Yeah, that's the cop out. It, and it is absolutely a cop out, right? Because it's not that you can't be political. You can't, it, you know, officially endorse or financially support a candidate, but you can send out blasts like, hey, look, SF brother, you know, Casanelli is running for Congress. And that, that's how you end it, right? You don't have to say sending money, say nothing, right? You can just put up his website. Mm. That is not picking sides or anything like that. It, it's, just like everything in politics, there's always a way around it, right? And so it was actually, you know, one of the things all of us talked about, Bacon out in Arizona, you know, he withdrew. Uh, Kent, we're all, we, you know, we're all in a group chat together. And that was our biggest frustration is how little support we were getting from SF and SOCOM in general, you know, retirees. Hell, Sergeant Major Zets, when I was running in uh, the fourth, came out and was openly supporting you know, the North Carolina um, congressman, uh, North Carolina representative, um, hell, I don't forgot his name, um, there for Cumberland County. And I was sitting there looking at Sergeant Major going, hey, man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you, you could have, like, we, we could have at least talked before you endorsed, you know, this former Army officer who sold North Carolina <laughs> tax dollars, taxpayers out for Green New Deal bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I was just kind of blown away. You know, um, it, it, SF guys, right, let's face it. When we retire, for the most part, what what do the guys do, man? They, they go, they build them a man cave, and they kind of yep. disappear. 
Yeah. I mean, this generation of SF dude, we withdraw. Fighting. They're done yeah. fighting. I mean, the fight has been worked out of us. So I also understand why you know your your average soft dude is like, screw this. I'm just going to go out back, drink some beer, and cook some burgers. <laughs> you know, um, but it, I'm going to tell you, man, it's going to take all of us and all of the fifty to sixty thousand dollar a year blue collar Americans getting up off their asses and getting involved. That's what can change this country. Um, because nobody wants to see some type of second revolution civil war bullshit right like nobody wants that you know people you hear people talk about revolution but they're typically people that have enjoyed air conditioning wi-fi their whole lives (laughs) you know um those of us who have been all these places and seen it and done it and we man i like wi-fi and air conditioning i don't i don't want to go that route And, and not that it's anywhere close to that but you know we're looking at it Definitely a recession, looking at potential depression, economic collapse, lack of, you know, voter confidence. I mean, one bad thing in this country, you know, we're always one bad catastrophe from things kind of going to shit. And and I I don't want to see that. But until people are willing to get up, get involved, go to their local GOP meeting and take back the Republican Party, if that's what they want. You know, or it's going to take someone like Elon Musk starting a third party that people can get behind and get get passionate about because mm. um, there's not a lot of passion. And it was sad. The passion I saw in the Republican Party were the ones who were just power grabbing that that county chair who, you know, she's looking at a representative or a city council spot. You know what I mean? It was you know that that type of person is the only person who's really passionate People who want in their own self-interest, yeah, right. People who want the good of the rest of this nation, they're just frustrated. Let me ask you this: Um, I I don't have too much. uh, I'm not optimistic about the swamp getting drained. Um, I've been up there too too many times. Um, Yeah, but here's the thing: Um, What about you? You mentioned the state, okay? You mentioned the state earlier that uh, some of these uh, folks uh, have been. it changed their mind and ran for state office. Isn't uh-huh. the isn't the answer maybe just the local politics and fixing the state and making sure that uh, pine land is squared away and that right. way we can sort of okay. uh, defend yeah. ourselves from some of the abuse of the uh, of the swamp federal government. Yes. Yeah, you would think. So here's uh, yeah, and everybody says local politics. Yeah, Tony, you should go run. I'm like, look, here's why that's wrong. That's the way it should be. It's absolutely the way it should be. It was the way our founding fathers intended it to be for the county government to be the most powerful, for the state to be independent of the federal government. That's clearly what they intended. It's not what we have. And here's how I can tell you. In the second week after I announced I was running against Greg Murphy, I had just left a meeting with state representative for Oslo County where he said he was completely supportive of me. He was campaigning for me. He took me and introduced me at different, uh, at, at a breakfast spot, you know, where all the old boys eat, you know? Uh, and I was like, Oh hell yeah. You know, this is awesome. Mm. That afternoon, Greg Murphy posted that he had the endorsement of every single state representative in district three. I just had breakfast with one of them who was campaigning for me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I immediately call that state representative. I'm like, what the? And he's like, I didn't give him permission. Mm. I was like, wait, what? You're telling me that he's saying you are endorsing him without asking you? He's like, absolutely. And, and I, I actually, this this fellow is is as honest as, as a politician could be. I took him to be an honest person. And while honest, good people are in politics, There are none with spines because when I asked him, when I asked him if he was going to announce that Greg Murphy had done that without his person, he's like, well, you know, Tony, I can't uh, because, you know, I'll lose, I'll lose, you know, my district will lose federal dollars that he can get for us if I outwardly come out against him. Mm -hmm. And it was the same with the sheriffs. 
he basically told him, if you come out and support Tony Cowden, I'll make sure you don't get your federal grant money. So your sheriffs, your state representatives, they're working for the federal, our senators and our congressmen and women. It's backwards, man. Yeah, it's, and the, that, it's this the direct. Is all true shit, and you it's, know, people it's, might want to say direct, that, Yeah, it's direct taxation yeah. from the federal level, which is Absolutely. not. That's not constitutional. It's extortion. It's straight up extortion, man. Amazing. Yeah. The tentacles. Yeah. The very long yeah. tentacles. Wow. Yeah, and it was weird because like Oslo County Sheriff, he's he. I don't think he's one hundred percent there anymore. He's on his way out. He's retiring. Um, his name's Hans Miller. I'll actually drop his name. Um. Oslo County Sheriff not only endorsed Greg, but then started like attacking me with these weird tirades on Facebook. And he would say something like, you know, this guy's against the Patriot Act. Clearly, he doesn't know anything about counterterrorism. And people would put in the comments like, hey, you know, he's like a counterterrorism type of guy. Right. (laughs) And, um, you know, I'm fairly familiar with like FISA warrants and all that kind of stuff and how that process worked and all that. And having read the entire Patriot Act through and through, six or seven times. Man, it is the one of the most insane overreaches of our federal government in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Only rivaled by Lincoln and oh, Honest Abe and uh, George Bush number two, you know, revoking habeas corpus, mm-hmm. right? Those the three things, huge government overreaches, right? Well, this sheriff was like basically saying because i wasn't for the patriot act that i'm i'm very against it it should be repealed um that i didn't know anything about protecting america and it just showed you like how ignorant and backwards some of the thinking still is just because you name an act the patriot act because someone asked him at a meeting that i was president like hey sheriff have you ever read the patriot act and in section such and such do you know what it means when it says and dude he just stood there like an idiot he never read it before well, yeah, but it's got the word patriot in it. It's, it's got, got the be talking good. point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just parrot the talking points and then get your parrot. Uh, it's like the yeah. Affordable yeah. Care Act is affordable. Right. It's got the word it's got the word right in they, there. The you know, debt re- the debt re- the debt like, reduction act is has yeah. got to take down the re- the, the debt because it's right in the, the title. NPAA, National Defense Authorization Act. That sounds like we were gonna spend money on our military. Yeah, as long as it's in the title, you know it's gotta do that. Yeah. Here's, here's an interesting little tidbit from the summer of the NDAA that they passed back in, uh, what, late June, early July. AOC, right? I mean, we all pretty much agree. She's Our hero. The devil, right? She's the devil. <laughs> She's oh, got to yeah. be safe. Well, check it out. She introduced an amendment that would allot all, almost $200 million for research into unconventional medicines for veterans for TBI and PTSD. And when you said unconventional medicines, psychedelics. Mm. So other countries have gone so far with psilocybin, ibogaine, all these psychedelics. And I, I don't know personally, right? But I do know soft guys who have participated in some of these studies and had absolutely miraculous results for TBI and PTSD, especially PTSD. I'm, I'm talking about guys becoming different people, going from just angry, pissed off, you know, PTSD guys, right? Mm. To doing one of these retreats, whether it be ayahuasca or one of these psychedelics, and they literally are better, like cured. So, and again, this is very anecdotal. I don't know anything about the research or whatever. Long story short, AOC was going to give an add to the NDAA $200 million to fund this unconventional research. Matt Gates endorsed her amendment and the Republicans shot it down. Your big pharma. Big, big pharma didn't if like you, that. If, if you look, yep. If you look at who voted against the, her amendment and go to opensecrets.org, right? This is people need to know this, this uh, website because you can look and see who, donated and who someone donated to right you can look at all my campaign finance right it's all there for someone to donate they have to put their occupation age address all that shit it is very public domain stuff well if you look at who voted against aoc's amendment 
It's all people who had big contributions from big pharma donors. Not a coincidence, bro. Not a coincidence. Yeah, I don't think that surprises anybody. Yeah, man. I mean, because let's face it, there has been no progress in TBI treatment in the last 12 years. Nothing. And Canada, Mexico, Panama, South Korea, India, all these countries are out there leading the way, you know, with other types of non-pharmaceutical treatments and getting purportedly amazing results. And our own freaking congressmen and women, right, are very much against it. <laughs> not a coincidence, man. I don't believe in coincidence probably any more than you guys do. Tony, uh, you've, I mean, you've really pulled back the, the curtain and we've seen, I've seen quite a lot. I'm not sure if everyone is, was ready for that. But you've seen the the beasts behind the curtain and all that. What could you? What advice could you give us? You know, guys like right now, guys well, like uh, we, our listenership. Yeah. So before we go any further, and before I forget, I would like to just go ahead and say that I do not suffer from PTSD. I am not suicidal, and I am not ever going to harm myself. <laughs> right on, man. Um, yeah, you're not. You know, you're not paranoid when they're really after you. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't think I think I'm too small of a uh, a player for uh, to get suicided for speaking out a little bit, yeah. um, but still, you know, it, it's it's a joke, but it's not even a funny one anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> that we literally have, you know, people out there being suicided, yep, and nothing being done about it, right? I mean, this whole, you know, pedophilia, what's his name, the uh, Epstein, and yeah. Is mad pl- pleasure island, yeah, man. Seth Rich, I mean, the name's if going. That all the right there is not a, if that right there is not enough to convince America that the establishment has a true hold on the DOJ, mm-hmm. our courts, your DAs, oh my God, man, what else? What else yeah. is there, right? What else is there? And we are just sitting here going, what do we do? We don't know what to do. So we do right? vote at the uh, at the uh, local level. That's something yeah, we do vote. do. Yeah, yeah. Vote, I mean, vote on election day. They say vote come, out, election, come, come out, out and come vote. out in a horde on election I, day. I yeah. will tell you this: if instead of ten to thirty percent of the voters coming out to vote across America, if sixty percent of them did, it would overwhelm the capabilities of election fraud. Right? There's a bunch of different ways of doing it. Right? There's uh, even the machines. So there. are you can send out absentee ballots. That was a big deal in Bladen County a couple years ago. Uh, Bladen County, it was Republicans that got slammed with the fraud. Um, That's right. Yeah, and uh, they were doing, and I don't understand it 100%, but basically what they were doing, they were sending out absentee ballots. And once someone receives an absentee ballot, then they can't vote. Mm. So if they don't send in an absentee ballot, it actually will stifle the other side, not give them votes, but take votes from them. Mm pretty genius um so if people don't realize i didn't realize that there are other ways of uh manipulating the elections influencing altering them interfering whatever you want to say so i don't know to folks out there i get it i hear people say all the time what are we supposed to do vote harder you know get engaged care yeah get engaged care yes and vote on election day. Overwhelm the fraud. Listen, I uh, hate to tell every, you this. Yeah, voter every, fraud every is a multi-billion dollar industry. Let me yeah. say that again. Voter fraud is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. It, it's it's a multifaceted illegal in, industry. People, if, if you can cheat, people are going to try to figure out how to do it. Okay, what we have to do as, as citizens is care and put uh, measures in place to try to reduce uh, and diminish the fraud as much as possible. That's all we can do. For sure. Hey, uh, and 20- that would be, that is by voting. In, that is, is by it's, voting. It's going to take six out of 10 of us instead of two and three out of 10 of us. Um, but like you said, go to your local GOP. Get involved. Yeah, be, yeah, uh, and, precinct, and take, uh, become a precinct member. You know, That's how you take back the party, right? Yeah. Like if you want to control people really want to take back and, and replace the establishment party with the MAGA or Trump party or just whatever that means going to your local level and every year your county chairs and your precinct chairs are voted on and they can be voted out 
Yeah. Replace them with good people. That that's the only answer. Join the school you know, board. Yes. Everything else. It take means, take charge of your local politics. It, right. And, and uh, it it does. It means missing the kids' soccer game. Yep. It means missing your, you know, freaking gym session. It means missing something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we we're up against the wall here. Uh, I tell you what. Thank you. Yeah. For you know, thank you for uh, joining us today. This has been enlightening. Um, it's it's critical. It's timely, um, and I think people need to know the reality of the environment. It's it's yeah. you got to come out of la la land. People need to hear the whole the cold hard facts. And I and I think and I appreciate you uh, coming on as a person that's that's had a chance to look behind the curtain and, and sharing that with uh, fellow Pinelanders. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you guys for having me, man. Thank you, sir. Definitely have to bring you back on. And uh, anyway, listen, 2022, uh, 2024, uh, give it it a thought, man. It's right around the corner. (laughs) You know what, man? I don't rule out any course of action. There you go. I'm not ruling anything out yet. All right. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Great chatting with you. Our pleasure. Okay, well, we uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. And if you enjoy our content, uh, we hope you'll check out our sponsors. Blacksmith Publishing has been serving the warrior class since 2013. Uh, We have great titles written by Warriors for Warriors. If you're looking for a great uh, book, uh, check out blacksmithpublishing.com. And if you're looking for some cool apparel, uh, head on over to the general store located at pinelander1776.com. And until our next meeting, remember, keep your head on a swivel, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, socially astute. And to each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. God bless Pineland, and please remember to vote.